New Year. Eh, it's a little late, frankly, for the Happy New Year's, you know? Why? Just happened a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, that's too long. The statute of limitations is kind of run out on the New Year. Three days. Plenty. Three days. Things are finally coming together. No, it, you're wrong. The house is warm. No! So it is finally actually starting to feel like a legitimate Happy New Year. You don't think, Brian. By the way, everything doesn't have to be happy. Why, why does everything have to be happy? What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Well, the house was warm. Last I talked to you on record day and then it wasn't. And luckily it is again. And no, Larry, things don't always have to be happy. It's just better when it is, right? Welcome in to the Stone On Air podcast. The great heating debacle of the Stone Estate continues, or at least maybe it's leveled out and stabilized. More on that and plenty more next. Because I haven't made a new one. A and B for a reason. So my band, or the band I'm in, I should say, Zan Teddy played at uh, JJ's on Friday. Thanks to the handful that came out on a frigid, cold, cold night. And a, uh, a guy who uh, opened up the show, I'm, I'm just going to have to apologize here. I believe his last name is Edwards. I know his name is Ben, but I think it's Ben Edwards. Um... A fantastic, fun little acoustic set to open up the night on a Friday night. And then later on, he came up and said, man, you guys sounded great. And of course, I would expect everybody to say nothing uh, but that. And so I don't know if we sounded that great or not. I think we sounded probably fine enough. But he said, man, have you ever heard of that band Cracker? And I was like, dude, have I heard of the band Cracker? That's who this opening song is here on this open, I Hate My Generation. I was like, not only have I heard of them, you don't know anybody, unless it happens to be you, and then in this case, we're tied. You don't know anybody who's a bigger fan of that band. And he's like, oh, man, that's hilarious. He's like, dude, I was. Uh, you guys have that same style. Like, the way you play, the way you... Um, you just sound overall, the way you strum is very much like David Lowry, who is the main guy from the band Cracker. And I was like, dude, that is about as cool a thing as anybody's ever said to me. Dead serious. I mean, Eddie Vedder's my guy, big Oasis fan, big Panic fan. But David Lowry and Johnny Hickman and the Cracker Band is one of the most important musical acts in, uh, in my life. And so that was pretty cool. That was the first night I met him. So this wasn't one of these, at least it certainly didn't seem like it, one of these, I'm going to say something I know he, uh, he that he'll identify with, like, you know, the Rollins Band song. I'll, I'll tell you things that you already know, so you can say, I really identify with you so much because I'm a liar. No, I don't think it was one of those. And so that was one of the better, most cool compliments that I have ever gotten. I want to thank Lee Brock for being on board, uh, presenting the show here into the new year. Get a hold of him at 653-2491. Real estate needs is what he takes care of, buying or selling Lee at lindabrockhomes.com. I'll lay out the show for you real quick. I need to move quick. A lot to get to. In the final segment of the show, it was one of the stories on the Chattanooga Times Free Press top stories of 2023, and I spent virtually no time on it on this show, and it's the Angel Bumpus, um, the acquittal or the reversal of her guilty verdict from several years ago of murder, and it made an A&E crime doc that I watched over the holidays in December, and I cut up the audio and was just going to use it when it was seemed like a good time to do it. And this week seems like as good a time as any. So if you're not familiar with her story, 
she, a local situation here involving the new DA, Cody Womp, and a local uh, attorney. I don't have his name in front of me because it's on the sh- uh, show sheet for the final segment. I'll get to that in the third segment. This will be a, I'm going to keep this pretty tight 20, 20, and 20 if you're wanting to bounce around the show as far as minutes and segments. In the second segment of the show, hemp laws might be changing again, kind of making it up as they go here in the state of Tennessee, and we might be about to ruin a good thing. We'll see. Only time will tell on a lot of that. I will get you some of the and most of the latest that I have on that. I'll have three pieces of audio for you today. The worst idea, the even worse idea, and then the coolest thing, and a handful of things to get to before I go back down the Chattanooga Lookouts Road and the op-eds from both of our mayors. I will read you just a short uh, little excerpts from both of those. That's coming up here in just a few. But the great heating debacle. So I had um, electrical work done here, replacing inside and outside. Pretty big deal. Sucked totally. And the guy who did it did really shoddy work. I'm still to this point not even sure how bad the work was. This is one of those in a past life or maybe even not that long ago, I would have maybe even spent a segment blowing this dude up. I'm, I am I just don't, I don't have the energy for it. I just, I don't care enough to continue with this. I just want my house to work properly. And um, so it seemed like it was working and I was off work for a couple of days, like many were with the, the storm coming through and all the ice and snow. And as I was recording, I was talking about how, man, everything's working great. You know, the electrical's fixed up and I'm to code and I'm happy and the house is warm. And guess what happened? I wake up the next day with no heat on Wednesday last week. So I do what I normally do in this situation, and that's go to the Facebook small business page and put out an inquiry because it has a lot of traffic. Now, granted, this is where I found the crappy electrical guy, too. So you got to be careful and you want to make sure you vet out who you're getting to come to your home and do work. And I went with a company called um, Sturdy Home Solutions. And so far, I can't recommend them any more highly than I am right now. Wonderful um, uh, husband and wife team of of a small company, HVAC and many other things around the house. And they couldn't come out immediately. And then the next day, it got pushed back and pushed back. And that was the day of the show. And I'm I'm getting really frustrated. The house is freezing ass cold. I've moved again to the other side of town, staying at my mom's house. Got the cats out of the house. I mean, just, just a nightmare at the end of the week. And then on that Friday, I was like, listen, I can't sit around here and wait any longer. I'm done. I'm out of here. And they're like, well, we promise we'll get to you tomorrow. That would be Saturday. So just, you know, half a week ago at 1.30, promise we'll be there. And I was like, okay, well, thank. I mean, that's all I got. So it's got to be good enough. And they show up the next day, an hour early. They text and call and say, hey, we can get there at 12.30. And he gets here, and it turns out that the breaker that's connected, that's the brand new breaker connected to the furnace, was the wrong kind of breaker. I won't even try to begin to speak the jargon. Dude pops in a new one, goes, he's like, hold on, let me go out to the truck. Goes out to his truck, comes back, pops in a new one, boom, we start right back up. And there you go. It works again, for the most part, until it got down to like eight degrees again, and then it started to struggle. But now that we're back to normal, seasonable seasonable temps in the South, it's working once again. A 27-year-old unit, it's going to have to be replaced eventually to be sure but not yet and Roy the guy the owner of the company who came over here and swapped out the breaker shook my hand and said no charge walked out the door and well and then said did you do you go to church and I pretended like oh sometimes it's like well come see us tomorrow non-denominational I was like well you're off to a good start the fact that it's non-denominational maybe I'll see you well there's no chance he's going to see me But I have had some faith restored in the human condition and the way people treat people. And uh, while that's fading constantly, this was an example of people doing right and doing a, a huge favor. It was 35 degrees in this house. It took eight 
hours to get back up to temp, working a 27-year-old unit for eight solid hours. And think about it. I didn't think about this. Not only is your house as cold, because it was two and a half days, the, the, the closets are frozen. Everything in the house is frozen. Everything is freezing, literally freezing cold. And it was, uh, boy, it was a nightmare. But as of now, knock on particle board, we're back and we're running and things are warm for now. So let's start with a few things here. Uh, Exile on Main Street complaints. This has happened a lot on the south side these days. I, I find this borderline hysterical. All this development, all these new townhomes, all these new condos, and then they get and they build them right next to these bars, and then they get pissed off when they're loud. Now, Shady's is a little different as they opened up in a neighborhood that was already somewhat established, but Exile on Main Street had nothing around it at one time, and now it does, and they're mad. The accusation, if that's what they're calling it, is just operating a disorderly place about noise. Not um, not so much about rowdy behavior or fights or things like that that were going on with Shady's Corner. This is from the Chattanoogan.com. The bar is adjacent to townhomes and condos that are largely used for vacation rentals downtown. And the bar only has four seats inside. So the main bar operates on a patio in the back surrounded by an open area. The spaces have no walls and no roof to help contain the sound. Gary Crow, owner of one of the condos that is being affected, said the fact that the facts show that Exile off Main Street is not in the amplified music district and that noise from the bar is too loud and doesn't conform to the zoning ordinance for that address. Maybe that's right, maybe that's not, I don't know, but I forgot about the Amplified Music District. I remember that was a big thing uh, a few years ago. Fraser Avenue, the merchants oppose losing a lane. At a meeting last week for the North Shore Collective, a group representing businesses on Fraser, more than 90% of them said they voiced opposition to the lane reduction. We do not need less traffic, one of the owners says. After the crash, my sales dropped 70%. Speaking of that crash, it killed the two pedestrians. Uh, the owner of this particular business is from the Times Free Press says, I did not get a pallet delivery for almost three and a half weeks. That is inventory I did not get. Sales I will not make an impact on my business because of the barrels and the, the street closings that were taking place in December and into January. The John John dude, who I hopefully will have on here eventually from the Chattanooga Urbanist Society, he's saying basically all the same typical stuff. Some are talking about should there be street parking, that should there not. Um, Catherine Daniels, who I quoted on the show last week from the North Shore Collective, she's the president of the collective, owns a Plum Nelly and says people like to have the on-street parking and not have to park in the uh, uh behind in the park area coolidge park area you know i don't know we'll see this has got a long way to go it's going to take some street redesign and that's just what it is part of the reason why i was having such heating issues even once the breaker was fixed is because i believe of this from the tfp tva breaks its record for power demand the electricity demand soared to over 34,000 megawatts Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. when temperatures across the Tennessee Valley averaged only four degrees. And there is a Democrat, Jack Allen. He's going to run against Fleischman. That is a waste of time. Marie Mott here the other week announced in front of 50 people at Barking Legs that she was running for mayor. This uh, Yahoo Jack Allen announced his campaign that attracted 70 people to the Chattanooga Public Library. Don't waste time. Don't waste money. Get lost, bro. And I might skip the audio, actually, because already up against it. So let's take a look at some of this lookout stuff. I know I do it all the time, and a lot of you might be getting tired of it. A friend of mine responded to one of my posts on uh, Facebook. Jeremy says, okay, setting aside my feelings about baseball to try and have a real conversation here, why is the loyalty conversation a one-way street? Why is it on the taxpayers to try and pony up to keep the team here? The organization bears none of that responsibility? Question mark. This argument is being made to, that's being made to keep them here for the second time in my adult life now, and I'm failing to see where this makes financial sense for the city and its residents at this point. My response was, that's a fair counter. 
living in a national landscape of cost considerations rarely mattering, I guess I'm conditioned to not care if it's for something that I like or want. And my buddy Nathan Gale says, like taxpayers pay the $3 million bill for water systems for the farm in Sale Creek. I don't care if the McDonald farm has an updated system or not, but others do it. I can get behind it. I might be forgetting something, but the lookouts leaving has always been because of the facilities. You can blame the list on the Astros owner who put that together a few years ago. He was not wrong about the ballpark, but he was wrong about dismissing the lookouts. Holding on to history is cool. Plus, the lookouts were on the Looney Tunes in Southern Fried Rabbit. I actually uh, remember that. So just um, that was in response to me saying, I don't care if it costs more money to get this stadium built. Let's do it. Since then, there has been op-eds, I believe on the same day. It was over the weekend. I don't get the paper uh, electronically over the weekend, or if I, I I just don't look at it anyway. And thanks to Sam Blevins, local uh, media dude here. I think he's in Carolina now. He sent me these because I did not have access behind the paywall. I will just quickly read through these op-eds from both of our mayors. First, Weston, and he, the problem with this is, is two-thirds of it is, all the information we all already know that we're all already talking about, at least on this show regularly. Just a couple highlights here. We need only to look at the previous stadium deals negotiated by the Lookouts owners to see the opportunity in front of us to negotiate a better deal for Hamilton County taxpayers. Fort Wayne, Indiana and Columbia, South Carolina, where Hardball Capital owns teams. Hardball Capital is the owner of the Lookouts currently. They committed roughly 20% of the money up front for those new stadiums. It, it is very clear here, and this is me interjecting, that they are trying to squeeze us for all it's worth. Once again, Weston's not wrong here, and he's not saying anything in this op-ed that's wrong, really, in any way. Towards the end of it, unfortunately, this deal will likely never include the robust community benefits we negotiated into the bend tift which calls for more of the new tax revenue to flow, to flow to public school facilities and the West Side redevelopment than will go to the, the developer. With critical needs in public education and public safety throughout our community, every dollar we can save through a better deal on the stadium matters. In the weeks ahead, as we ask tough questions to try to save tax dollars, I hope our local elected officials will heed the voices of those in the community who simply want better schools safer streets, and who expect their tax dollars to be closely guarded. And now to Tim Kelly, the county mayor's op-ed to the TFP. This is more, so bear with me here. The answer should be easy because the math works. This project won't reduce funding we have available for public priorities. It will inject revenue into the public coffers. A yes vote means we can conservatively expect the South Broad District to attract $1.1 billion in development, generating $2.3 billion in economic impact. We can expect $186 million in new tax revenue for Hamilton County schools. He goes on to talk about a study done by, if I see it, I'll, I'll read it to you, and I don't have it highlighted. Oh, Younger and Associates that puts all these numbers out there. Now, this is a, one of those regular arguments you can have on anything that involves subsidies and government money. You can make the numbers work however you want them to work, and both mayors are doing that. A yes vote means the Lookouts will continue to attract regional tourist dollars for our local economy. The Riverwalk, one of the city's great assets, will continue its growth by acting as a front door to the stadium. The development itself will have a new front door for Chattanooga, transforming the view from I-24. If the commission or council votes no, we will have wasted more time and money. We will have wasted a generational opportunity to revitalize the entire South Broad, Broad District, the $2.3 billion in economic impact, the new jobs, hotels, restaurants, offices, and stores, and millions of new tax revenue to fund our priorities just go up in smoke. Voting no means the Lookouts, one of the oldest teams in minor league baseball and a key part of Chattanooga's history and identity, become a wistful memory. They will have to relocate, and there will be a rusting eyesore on I-24 as a painful reminder of our failure to come together to get the important stuff done. I can't imagine a bigger black eye for our, our community at a time when we have so much momentum. 
Of course, there are legitimate concerns about the project, but the answers to all of them are in the numbers. And I'm not going to bore you with all of that. His final a little small paragraph of the op-ed from Tim Kelly was, We missed this opportunity at our peril. I trust our local legislative bodies share my vision for a Chattanooga that lives up to its potential. A Chattanooga that can rather than one that can't. Our future and our reputation depend on it. And that is all I got for the open segment. I'll save those three pieces of audio for next week as they have nothing to do with today's show. Which side are you on? Is the money getting too much? Are you tired of hearing about the increases? I, I get it if you are. I totally get it. Maybe baseball and stadiums ain't your thing. Totally makes sense. It's totally understandable. And I believe both mayors are coming from a good place. And I hate to do it, but Weston Womp is absolutely right. I just hope he doesn't get his way because I don't like his way. And it really is just as simple as that. Well, the 2018 Farm Bill changed the game of legal cannabis, marijuana, hemp in this country and certainly in this state. And it has exploded in business opportunities here throughout the entire state and especially right here in Chattanooga. But new laws, you knew it was coming, might change all of that. And I'll get to the latest on that coming up next. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. So we actually had a really nice crowd, especially for a frigid, stupid, cold night at JJ's this past Friday. And Lee Brock showed up for the show, as well did many other friends, including my dear friend Tara Velin, known to many in the scene as Tara V, along with her husband Joe, who I see occasionally out and about at Bonnaroo a handful of times and others. And it was great to see him. Well, Joe is the owner-operator of Soot Busters Chimney Services. He's done work here at my house, and it turns out... He is the chimney guy for all of Lee Brock's properties that he has on the market now and in the future. And so it was just this big like, hey, you know who? Yay, you know them? Hey, you know them? It was it was wild and neat and fun. And it just goes to show that great minds think alike. For all your chimney needs, get a hold of Joe at Sootbusters Chimney Services. And for all your real estate needs, Lee Brock, 653-2491, Lee at Linda Brock Homes. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. Hemp is estimated to be a $200 million industry in Tennessee, according to a state fiscal note. But big changes could be coming to legal cannabis in Tennessee. The rules the industry leaders asked for. They could pose a major threat to their businesses. Some of the most popular hemp products in Tennessee may soon be illegal. And supporters of the hemp industry, like Republican State Representative Chris Hurt, are concerned. It's kind of changing the rules in the middle of the game. It's kind of making up the rules as they go is what it is and changing them in the middle of the game. I wish I had the name of that Republican. um, I'm guessing he's a state senator, probably, who is fully behind the 2018 Farm Bill and is trying to keep these laws from being changed because this is big business. This is the uh, it's not new from his bull anymore, but I didn't get around to listening to it until the last couple months and i like it a lot going back and forth with some some don't some do i do it's from the new record called weather veins or his latest i should say released uh, last year Doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. There is a new one downtown, the Asheville Dispensary. Yes, that's Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. They have opened up a dispensary here, and it is a fabulous store. And I will, if there's time, I will tell you a, a story of my my stop in there recently. And it's probably not a good story to tell while I'm trying to hype up this industry right now. But I, I will just say, I've, I've talked about it a lot and I'm pretty open about everything. I'm just under a month away from having a pretty big anniversary date. Those of you that have been around here regularly can take a guess at what that is. Um, I don't drink anymore. And what has made it so, um, such a, a 
I don't want to say easy because that's a terribly wrong word, but a uh, doable transition are a couple of things. Pharmaceuticals that are uh, responsibly prescribed to me that I was already prescribed to. They're just prescribed differently now. And legalized uh, hemp, THC, Delta 9, Delta 8, THCA. Uh, I don't like to smoke. I like edibles. I like the seltzers. I like these things that I can get a buzz from. And it's a big deal to me. And if I were to lose these things, I'm not saying that I'm going to go back to drinking because they're really not comparable to me. To some people, maybe they are. But to me, they're not. Getting high and getting drunk are two completely different things. Having a drink and smoking a joint are not even in the same galaxy of a thing to do for me in my life, generally speaking. But the edibles, once you are educated and you understand how they work and you understand what your tolerance can handle and you do it properly is a really, really nice way to have a just, a, you know, take the edge off kind of situation. I'm getting an early start tonight on record night. It's not even 7 o'clock yet. I got time to make dinner, and I'm going to take a 10-milligram gummy before I start taking making dinner. And by the time I'm done and eating and watching some TV, I'll have a nice little buzz, right? I don't see why there's anything wrong with that. And those kinds of things are keeping me from being tempted to drink because that's what I did my entire life. And I'll let you just decide for yourself which one you think is worse from a health standpoint, drinking poison constantly virtually every single day or partaking in THC consumption in whatever way that might be your preferred outlet. I, myself, don't find any danger in that whatsoever, especially because I understand my body, I understand myself, I understand my um, uh, my tolerances and all of that. Now, that is a problem, though, because not everybody does, and something that's new, and especially if kids get a hold of it. I understand all of that, but none of this has to do with saving the kids, all right? That's not what any of this is about. This is about lawmakers, I think, are embarrassed that they passed a law that ended up legalizing marijuana, and they're trying to go backwards on that. This is from the Times Free Press from just yesterday. Comments sought on rules governing hemp. And actually, I will get to that in a minute. First, I'm going to play this uh, Three more shortcuts from um, that report from, it was uh, WKRN in Nashville. I If I do local media, I try to make sure you get all the names right and everything. People in Nashville, I don't care about. Um, this is more from them. Stuff that I, and likely you, really already know. The Delta 9, the THCA. How it is really a fascinating look at agricultural science and the possibilities, while they might not be endless, they're certainly not completely exhausted yet. So there might be even new strands, new ways to derive this THC from this plant legally unless the government comes in and screws around with it like they are trying to do. This is more from WKRN in Nashville. Now the law allows the sale of hemp or cannabis with less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC limiting how much of the intoxicating part of the flower can be sold. But there are hundreds of other chemical compounds in a hemp plant. Right now in Tennessee, a close cousin of Delta 9 THC, known as THCA, isn't as strictly regulated. THCA turns to Delta 9 THC when heated, giving users that high feeling and making it in high demand. And people have made big investments in our state. They've, they've built businesses around those cannabinoids. And that's the biggest thing about this. Huge investments have already been made all around the state, especially that we know of here in the city of Chattanooga. Hemp House being my main stop. The Asheville Dispensary now. Snapdragon are just a few that come to mind quickly. What about the economy, stupid? What about the economy, politicians in Nashville? What about helping small business, small government guys and gals? So you passed a bad law, in their minds anyway. They passed a bad law, and now they're going to hurt local business to try to fix their seemingly what is an embarrassing situation. To me, it is the exact opposite of what GOP leadership says they want. And this state is all about the GOP. 
But of course, that's all a farce. And this small government thing is a complete fraud. It's been fake for forever. And it's more and more fake by the moment from a national perspective. But this, to me, is just that on a local perspective. So who's in charge of this now? And what costly decisions are they about to make? In the spring, state lawmakers passed a bill regulating the selling of hemp and hemp products. And many businesses supported it because they hoped it would make the industry safer. We want to solidify the industry and bring some credibility to the industry, and the industry wants that too. Charged with testing hemp products under that new law, the Tennessee Department of Agriculture is suggesting changing what is considered Delta 9 THC to include THCA, meaning both compounds combined need to be under that 0.3 limit. Now, some of this stuff gets a little jargon and convoluted for me to completely make sense of all of it. Uh, I'm not sure what that bill was in the spring, but if the industry was supporting it, then clearly it was somewhat favorable to them, at least in, in part. Effectively, what lawmakers are trying to do is what it reads to me is try to make these products so potentless that the supposed people who care about this won't care as much. I, I I don't know. If federally this had just been done from the jump when it was clear the states were going to take this and run with it over a decade ago, we wouldn't have nearly as many issues as we have now. So if the Tennessee Department of Agriculture gets their way, what does this mean for the current products on the shelves in hemp shops all over the state? This is the final one from WKRN. Tennessee Growers Coalition's Kelly Hess is fighting that proposal. All of that popular CBD flower, THCA flower, will be non-compliant and will be banned and will become illegal. She says the proposed standards are unrealistic. Next legislative session, Representative Hurt is looking to bring forward a bill he says will keep THCA flower on shelves. But stressed, he wants to work with the Department of Agriculture to get something passed that helps the industry. They're doing what they feel is right, and then we're going to do what we feel we need to do to get it in a better spot and i apologize for not having that guy's name that he cut that's the bad audio that that is a republican uh politician here in the state of tennessee and very happy to see that somebody from that side of politics is on the side of small business of hemp shops of hemp growers this is the new cash crop of the 21st century And for politicians to try their best to ruin what they will end up doing is ruining people's lives, like my friend Dwayne Madden, the owner of the Hemp House, like the people who opened up all these shops all over the state, just because they don't want people to get high. I I don't, I'll never understand it. I'll never get it. When I was younger, it was taboo to talk about it out loud. And I was even then like, this doesn't make sense. I don't even like smoking weed, but what the F is going on around here. This is madness. Absolute madness. It needs laws. It needs regulations. I am not a small government guy necessarily. It depends on what we're talking about. Uh, I believe people are stupid and need to be policed from themselves. But we don't need to be told exactly how to live our lives and exactly what to do. And that's a fine line to dance on. I understand. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself by everything I just said. But when alcohol prohibition was lifted in, what was that, 1938 or 39 or 41 or 37, whenever it was, the, the, the country had a very solid approach to how they legalized it. That's why it stayed so underground and so black marketed for so long. The moonshine stills and the running of the, of the bootleg liquor all over the country because prohibition really all it did was create organized crime and that's what illegal marijuana industry for 110 20 years has done is created more and more organized crime and this is the opposite they've been letting this just loosely happen letting oh states rights states rights enough about this these states are stupid man most of these states are run by numb nuts and i and not that washington is any better But there's a greater awareness, a greater understanding of what the Fed, the federal laws are as opposed to state by state by state. This confuses law enforcement. It confuses tax collection and the IRS and small business. It's too convoluted and there needs to be a blanketed law across the country. But that is not what this is about today. From the Times Free Press. 
Ellen Gerth's piece from Monday. Much of this I've already talked about in the past. Hemp is related to marijuana, but with a lesser concentration of the psychoactive cannabis compound. A growing number of retailers in Hamilton County sell it as oils, vapes, concentrates, edibles, and dried flour used for smoking. If the rules are finalized, they say, and then I skipped way ahead, the Tennessee uh, uh, Hemp Coalition, they say that they could pull many of the products from these stores. If the department doesn't change its proposal, the Tennessee Growers Coalition said it will consider suing to challenge the rules in court. This is a quote locally here from uh, Farm to Med. That's another one. Uh, a friend of uh, or a friend of a friend is the owner of Far- Chattanooga's Farm to Med. It's hard to grow the plant as is under the 0.3% Delta 9 rule, says Chris Sumrall. If we're going to do that, 0.3% total, that's taking all the flour off the table. Then the only place they're going to get it is either going across state lines, and then you're breaking the law twice, you're breaking the law by having it in the state, and then you're breaking it by bringing it across state law lines. That's me interjecting. Then order it in the mail or get it from Big Joey on the street corner, which is what's going to happen. We're getting our weed, man. We're all getting it. I'm getting my edibles somehow. I will order it online. I'm getting the seltzers somehow. I promise you I'm going to do it. And so is everybody else. He goes on to say that the THCA products make up a huge segment of the hemp industry in Tennessee. Quote, that's what people want. We don't have any other legalization, so it is in high demand. Since the additional 6% tax started in July, it raised $3.5 million for the state through November, according to the Department of Revenue. Hey, Tennessee GOP or any other politicians in this state, Democrat or independent, Follow the money, dummy. There's money be to be made here, and small businesses popped up all over the place in the land of opportunity in America where we take opportunities and do things with them. Some of them great, some of them not so much. But to turn around and start putting small business out of business because your dumbasses passed a law that you didn't read and you didn't understand because of your geriatric, feeble-minded thinking That is abhorrently pathetic and unforgivable. Ugh, jeez. All right. Sorry about that. So I go to Reddit because that's what I always do. Just to get a couple of thoughts here on the hemp ban uh, in Tennessee, question mark. Look at the state of agriculture and commerce failing to capitalize on the biggest commercial agricultural product of the modern day yet again. Can't support our schools, but let's keep turning down tax money to keep the for-profit prisons buzzing. If this were to go down, I would be spending way more money on antidepressants. Many Tennesseans live mere hours from legal states. It's absurd that we can purchase legal weed just a short trip away, and then back home, we could be charged with a felony for owning something we just bought. I am not a massive fan of the hemp-based shit we buy here, but it's better than nothing. The fact our leaders are pushing this ban just shows how out of touch they are. Now, that's a real lifelong smoker and cannabis consumer right there because most people who are, we'll just say, I guess, connoisseurs of of cannabis don't really like this Delta 9, Delta 8, THCA stuff near as much. But if it's your only option, it's better than nothing, according to this guy and according to anybody I've talked to. And I actually like this legal stuff better than the the black market products. I really, really do. I think it's they're great products for me anyway. Continue says better than nothing sums it up, but they don't even want us to have that. The idea of an illegal plant is such absurdity to me. And I'm just going down the line here. Yeah, a plant that grows wild yet has been federally illegal since 1937. It's wild, man. The both sides of the mouth drives me crazy. We stand for freedom, yet not that freedom, WTF. Freedom to force religious opinions on you. That's the freedom they refer to when they're speaking. Freedom to force Christian religion. Nothing else is, and then it goes off the rails from there. And that's... That's it. So, um, real quick. So, I went to the Asheville Dispensary. God, it's a beautiful store. Gorgeous. Beautiful building. I think that's officially the one North Shore building. If not, it's directly next to it. But, either way. And they have this little, um, it's it's like a coffee shop. 
and they have this extensive menu. And I just wanted to get one of their drinks. And it turns out on the menu, uh, for everything from chai teas, lattes, cold brews, uh, uh, countless others that I don't remember and wouldn't have known what they were anyway, and likely wouldn't have enjoyed most of the different kinds of drinks that they made. But at least I'd say a third of them I probably would like just fine. Well, based on the menu, what you they're serving is not cannabis. It is just the drinks that are on the menu. But anything that you get can be infused by, I think it's six different derivatives of hemp THC 0.3% compliant with the current Tennessee law additives. I mean, I've only been there once, so it's kind of hard for me to explain it exactly, but the lady behind the counter spoke to me like I was five. I mean, I might have even said that. Talk to me like I'm five. I've never done this before. And I got a cold brew with cold brew ice cubes. You ever heard of such a thing? It seems like such a simple idea. A cold brew with ice cubes made out of cold brew. So your cold brew doesn't get watered down. Jesus, where the hell... Where's my brain? Why don't I come up with these ideas? And then it was infused with whatever one I chose. I don't even remember which one it was. When I go back in there, I'm going to ask because it got me higher than anything I've had from these kinds of products in a long time. And um, and so, yeah, there's there are certain things about this that need to be regulated. People don't need to be getting bombed off this and driving around. Prohibition and banning and outlawing just because uh, I'm just uh, don't like it is just just too hillbilly and too nonsensical for me to listen to. I mean, I won't even listen to it. I won't even listen to it. Um, but the drink was amazing. It was one of the greatest cold brews I've ever had in my life. It just uh, was a little too strong. So next time I'm going to talk to him about customizing the um, the infusion which is done based on the education you get from the people that are selling you this stuff. I don't know, some Yahoo down the street on Ringgold Road probably doesn't know a damn thing about what this is, and that guy probably needs to be weeded out. The Asheville Dispensary, I could not recommend it any more than I already am right now. I can't wait to go back and try some more drinks and, again, get more education on what these, these infusions are, what they do, and how much is right for me. Why? Because I'm a grown-ass adult, and so are you, and we should be able to make those decisions for ourselves. The lady who was convicted of murder about three or four years ago, Angel Bumpus, was not a grown-ass adult. Not when this alleged murder took place. And the negligence from the courts, if that was all I was going to talk about, is something that I want to know more about. But this was the subject matter of an A&E crime drama that I watched in December. And I'll feature cuts from that show and spell out what this story was because it is terrifying. And it is our law enforcement and more specifically, more specifically, excuse me, our judicial system that failed terribly here. And I'll expand on all of this coming up next. Well, I'm well on my way to blowing up my one-hour clock on this show, as I often do and always talk about trying to keep within a certain amount of time. So today's show in certain spots might be feeling a little rushed. You know where you don't want to rush things? When you're getting into the world of real estate. Whether you're looking to buy, whether you're looking to sell, whether it's just your personal residence looking to upgrade, or maybe you got an investment property that's not pulling the returns that you're looking for, you want to get out from underneath. Whatever that real estate transaction that you might might have now or later. This is a process that needs patience and takes a little time, time that maybe you don't have. That is where my guy Lee Brock comes into play. There is no transaction too big or too small for Lee and anybody on his team to handle. You can get that ball rolling by giving Lee a call on his direct line, 653-2491, or shoot an email, lee at lindabrockhomes.com. 
stoneonair.com. Angel Bumpus was arrested. Her fingerprints matched some prints that were taken from the duct tape. Your charges are felony murder and especially aggravated robbery. This is ridiculous. Can you swear under oath that this is not anything that you witnessed? I've never seen that place before. I was thinking that tape might have came from me because I used to pick stuff up like that. Angel often spent time in the garage, so it's plausible that Angel had touched duct tape at their workshop. She can't confess something she didn't do. She can't turn on someone she doesn't know. She can't give me information she doesn't have. There's just so much at stake. My kids are everything. I want to see them grow up and go to school and... I think I just said crime drama. I meant a crime docu-series. This is Taylor Swift. It's called Innocent. I did try to find something that fit. Um, This story is way more jaw-dropping than anybody realizes in this town, or at least... If others knew, uh, for some reason I didn't, and usually I'm, I'm on top of these things. Um, and I, I was flipping through TV uh, on my crappy uh, direct TV stream, which I'm still paying for. And uh, I saw A&E, crime, docu, whatever the hell it's called. And I um, I looked and saw the... And I'm, I, like, I like that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it seems like most of us do at least a little bit and I saw that it was a local Chattanooga story and then I remember mentioning this on the year end of show where I mentioned the top stories from 2023 and that this was one that I just did not spend any time on and so I watched this doc and it was not that great but meaning just overall the uh, production of it and all that but it was it was well I don't want to call it neat I want to call someone's wrongful imprisonment for years for my viewing pleasure and entertainment years later as neat or a or a fun watch. I don't want to do that, even though I basically almost just did. But it was uh, I always like to see when Chattanooga is on a national stage, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's. Uh, whatever it is on TV, it's it makes me feel good, except for things like this don't make me feel good and make me wonder what the hell this backwards-ass place is doing. The show is basically set up kind of like Hard Knocks, speaking of sports, the NFL show. I've never actually watched that before, but I do understand what it is, and it's kind of an in-real-time documentary, a film that starts... And you don't know where it's going to end. Those um those are risky ventures because if it doesn't end well, or meaning like in an interesting way, then you've wasted a lot of time. And so that's a tricky way to make a docu series. Well, that's what at least that's the way this one was set up. I think there's a lot of fake dialogue and re reenacting of certain things for the magic of TV. I'm not sure about that because if I was this woman, Angel Bumpus. I would be so pissed off, you couldn't even talk to me to make this show work. I would have been going after the judge. I'd have been go. I'd be throwing lawsuits left and right. At least that's what I feel like I would have done. To just give you a quick rundown, without uh, going too far into it, because I got a, it's seven pieces here from the show I want to play for you. This is from the National Registry of Exonerations, which I'm glad to see exists. I'm sure no one ever looks at it because it's not just busted. I was jokingly said, until there's a just exonerated, I ain't looking at a just busted. That's for dummies, that's for dullards, that's for numb nuts who just like getting a laugh at other people's misfortune. Because oftentimes that's what that is, just other people's misfortune, not necessarily breaking laws. And by no real measurement of evidence does it look like this young lady angel bumpus broke any damn laws so just a quick just cliff notes here it's 2009 she is 13 years old there's this old man old black man who sells pot and this woman's um at the time child's uh, stepmother or aunt or somebody a family member an adult buys weed from this guy and she's just around sometimes. 
And somebody ends up killing this guy by duct taping him. He suffocates him, ransacks his house, probably steals like 500 bucks in a pot plant or something. I mean, it's just, it's poor, small town um, uh, stories like this that actually happen more times than we'll ever know here in middle America. We don't see these headlines. And somehow, through the process of trying to figure out who did this, they charge a then later when she's an adult an adult but they charge her as a 13 year old aggravated robbery murderer that that's just the quick as quick as i can put it thing she moved to kentucky with her family still as a child and then she got picked up on some kind of petty something about not paying parking tickets or something got pulled over a suspended license or whatever it was and in the database from this cold case at the time when she was now in her 20s so almost 10 years later her fingerprints were on some of this duct tape that was found on the scene of the crime no reasonable ethical moral and normal person looks at something like this and says that this 13 year old girl is capable of this crime if you want to know any more about it than that you're on your own but in, on October 3rd, 2019, a jury convicted her of first-degree felony murder and aggravated robbery. The judge was Tom Greenholtz. More on what I think about that jury and that judge before I wrap things up. Let's get to the A&E special. It is called simply just A&E Accused, Guilty or Innocent. It aired on December 21st. It starts here with her, her attorney, William Massey talking to his paralegal, and they're just kind of going over some stuff. Remember, this is filmed in, like, a real time. They don't know how this is going to end at this point of the dock, or at least that's how it's filmed. Seth, I think the main thing, well, certainly one of the main things that we want to show that jury is that Angel Bumpus was a child when this occurred. Right, and she looks... She looks small. I mean, she doesn't look like someone who is has the stature to overpower a grown man. Oh, certainly not. You know, one of the things I think with all of these photos is showing the house being ransacked is that if Angel Bumpus was there, why isn't her fingerprints somewhere else? Why are her fingerprints on, yes, on the, on the door frames, on the right. door knobs, on right. the chairs, on the safe, and other places? At least some. This never made sense, but for whatever reason, the jury went back and made up their own. Yeah, somehow a jury of her supposed peers said a 13-year-old was capable of this crime. A little 13-year-old black girl. You want to start taking guesses as to what color that jury was? I mean, I don't know, but I'm just saying you want to take guesses? This is the film crew heads to the uh, TFP, the Times Free Press, with... Um, uh, the lady who is talking identifies herself in the clip, so I didn't write her name down. Sorry, where is it? There it is. Angel's case is a pretty big deal. Her followings, her supporters are growing across the U.S. My name is LaShawn Pagan. We are at the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'm one of the staff writers, and I cover courts and crime. As I did the research into the Angel Bumpus case, a lot of the things that I noticed that rose more questions were how young she was at the time that she allegedly was involved in this crime. How could she have committed this crime? Everybody that has reached out to me saying, how could that be possible? A lot of people support her, and they want her to remain free. This is a very interesting case for new District Attorney Cody Wong to have inherited from her predecessor. She takes cases head on and straight through. She is very aggressive when it comes to uh, ensuring that justice is done. And this was just shortly after Cody Womp was elected to that position. So this was thrown at her immediately. And she's a Womp, and we all know how the Womps are. And so there's you know, that, especially as a viewer, knowing some of the people involved, it, it did lead to some, some suspense. How is Cody going to handle this? And I was ready to, to tear apart on here if I needed to. I'll go ahead and be a little spoiler. I'm not going to have to. But we'll move along here. William uh, Macy's paralegal, I believe his name is Seth. I didn't get that one, goes to talk to uh, some uh, Nashville, in, in located in Nashville, experts 
on polygraph tests as that's what they want to do to try to convince Cody Womp to uh, revisit this case, even though polygraphs are not admissible uh, in court during a trial. It's a big difference, right? It's huge. It's the, the accuracy rate back in the 50s and 60s was about 60%. It's grown over the years. The accuracy rates now, are, according to the latest research, is up, upwards of 93%. Field of polygraph has come a long way. So are there other people that use these tests? I've worked for numerous attorneys across the state of Tennessee. There's also uh, law enforcement. So when we talk about law enforcement, we're not just talking about police, though, right? Like, No, numerous agencies. The FBI, the Secret Service, the CIA, they utilize this on the criminal side of their field. How hard is it to beat this test? It's difficult because there are countermeasure devices that I utilize that looks for those types of things that's taught on the Internet. So this is not something a Google search will really help you beat? No, not at all. I can see how this would make people anxious. A lot of people have anxiety. There's a lot at stake for a lot of people, or else you wouldn't take a polygraph, right? Right. Today, really helped showcase to me how accurate and reliable polygraphs can be. In talking with Angel, she's always been very consistent with us and adamant that she wasn't there, she didn't do this. And as an attorney, that gives me the gut feeling that she's telling the truth. But I want to trust but verify. I want to, to put out there and to get the proof that she's telling us the truth, and this is the way to do that. More on polygraphs and the way they've uh, the technology has has improved here in just a minute. But, yeah, polygraphs have always been terrifying to me because my anxiety already eats me alive. I can't imagine if I was relying on something like that to prove or at least have someone lean towards my guilt or innocence. And so completely understandably, Angel Bumpus was concerned about that very thing. Do you know what questions they would ask? They would ask, were you present when taped to the chair? Did you participate? Did you tape Franklin Bonner to the chair? And I think that polygraph just was would confirm that what you're saying is true. So it gives us a very good edge in negotiations. So I think it's worth doing, Angel. Okay. I'm nervous to take the test because I know that I am an overthinker. And it's like, if you have a lot of anxiety or if you're an overthinker, then you could possibly fail it even if you're telling the truth. Now, remember, Angel is in her mid-20s at this point, I believe. Over the age of 23, anyway, a a an adult. And so, yeah, my concern would be the same. And again, remember, this is not to prove her innocence or guilt at this point. This is just to bring more, I'll just call it ammunition, for lack of a better way of putting it, to take to Cody Womp to say, can we revisit this case? Can we get a new trial? And they believe that this would go a long way. And spoiler alert, it did go a long way. But some of the things that they have done with the polygraph, when I think about it, I'm thinking about that little needle thing on the piece of paper that just goes back and forth. It's way, way more than that. They now have what is called thermal imaging, where they take, you know, you've seen the pictures of like your body and where it's warmer and colder and how it changes. Voice stress analysis, eye tracking technology. Uh, this method uses specialized cameras to monitor eye movements and pupil dilation. And, and now AI can analyze large amounts of data to identify patterns that may be difficult for human um, analysts to detect. So it's not just your heart rate. That's what it always was for all those years, or at least the main component was when you lie, your your heart beats, your, your, your pulse increases, your blood pressure will get higher, or at least for many. And that, that was kind of really the main source. And now it is so much more than that. And it's not foolproof, but it's getting very, very close. This is, uh, again, the paralegal. He's talking to Massey, her attorney, about Cody Womp, showing him uh, campaign ads from Cody on his phone. Again, a lot of this is feels forced, little contrived dialogue. Um, but he's his point is, Cody's really tough on crime. Check out her campaign videos. I've been looking into Cody and... Some of the stuff she's put out, like as far as her campaign stuff, her, her big thing is heavy law enforcement, tough on crime. We can't afford more violence. It's hurting our neighborhoods, our families. 
As district attorney, I'll work hard to send violent criminals to prison. It's not just about criminal justice. It's our future. You know, it will be interesting to see Cody's perspective on this. She is kind of a new wave of uh, prosecutors young prosecutors across the country. He's very pro-law enforcement, which you would expect. But she also, in the short time I spoke with her, she seemed quite open to, to talking about Angel's case. So I want to hurry here as I'm running out of time. I have two more cuts to play. The day of the hearing uh, of either the dismissal of the charges or, the, or move to a new trial is what they're expecting. Angel had passed both polygraphs. Now, somewhere in there, I, I left out that Cody Womp had uh, said, okay, you have your polygraph. We want to give ours. And at the time of the filming, they they at this point, they have both polygraphs. Both have been passed. And legitimately, according to the way that this doc is laid out, they didn't know how this was going to go. They didn't know if this was going to be an, a dismissal right there that day or completely, I guess, denied 100% or get ready for a new trial. We don't know what is going to happen today. General Womp has played the cards close to her chest and she hasn't indicated what it is she's going to do. She wanted a law enforcement polygraph. So we were able to get that. It confirmed what the initial polygraph already told us. Right. I think that the polygraphs were a good choice to present to the DA. Right, because if I'm going to make that hard decision, if I'm going to dismiss the case, I have to have something that shows that she was not involved. And I think the polygraphs give her that little bit of something. Hopefully was enough to move that compass right. to, uh, I hope so. to do I mean, what we hope is the right thing. Okay, well, I failed to mention about the other polygraph because it was in that clip, and I forgot. And the final one here, it's kind of long, about a minute and a half. This is Cody Womp, and based on the way the show had flowed, we didn't, I did, because I knew how the story went, but as a viewer, you didn't know what she was going to say, what she was going to choose, what decision that she was going to make that's going to affect this young lady for the rest of her life. Let's turn to Angel Bumpus. Upon review of this case, I first looked at Mrs. Bumpus's involvement, and her involvement is difficult to deny. It is the position of the state of Tennessee that Miss Bumpus's fingerprints were on duct tape that were used to suffocate Franklin Bonner. And thus, it is the state's position that Angel Bumpus was involved in his robbery and murder. However, as certain as the state is of Miss Bumpus's involvement, the state is equally certain that Angel Bumpus did not commit this crime by herself. The nature of the offense, the way that Mr. Bonner was duct taped and killed, the ransacking of the home, in the state's opinion, it is virtually impossible that a 13-year-old girl could have done this alone. So, where does that leave us? Miss Bumpus has continually and consistently maintained her innocence. It is not the state's role to seek convictions. It is the state's role to seek truth. If we believe the worst about Ms. Bumpus's involvement in this case, we still know that she did not do it alone. And as hard as it has been to explain this to the family of Franklin Bonner, the state believes, and I believe, in the deepest part of my soul, that Miss Bumpus serving a lifetime sentence for this offense is not justice. The state moves to dismiss without prejudice counts one first degree murder and count yeah, two. I mean, bravo, Cody Womp, for doing the right thing. A 13 year old couldn't have done this alone, you think? Why aren't the people involved in this with this initial ruling, this initial verdict, the judge, the lawyers, the people, anybody involved, hell, the jurors for the, for that matter? Why is this not revisited? Why is this not looked at and said, what the hell's the matter with you people? You put a woman with two kids in jail for three goddamn years. Are you animals? Who are they? What are they? And what else are they in charge of? What other big decisions do people like this have to make? It's pathetic. Judge Tom Greenholz, who, where are you? Why are you not now liable for three years of this young lady's life? This is why I do not trust the judicial system. This is why the law of the land of America, of states, of the federal law, of the state's laws are not to be trusted. And why I even say lawyers at times cannot be trusted, though some of them are some of my best friends. 
and I know that they are important to a free and just society. But this is a miscarriage. This is uh, it's just disgusting. Disgusting. There's nothing that terrifies me more. Well, there's a there's a list of things that terrify me, and on that list is being thrown in jail as a 100% completely innocent person for murder. My God. So there I am at the end of the line of an hour-long show. I uh, could have done more on all three segments, but I like to keep it tight within a 60-minute stretch, and we're a little over on that. But the good news is, is that justice feels like it does prevail, and a womp does the right thing. And so I'm happy to say that because I was waiting for the womp part to infuriate me. And in this case, it didn't. Now, she wouldn't be interviewed for the show. She would not allow anything that she was doing to be filmed or recorded. The 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 footage from inside the courtroom, that's open record stuff. That's stuff that she doesn't have any control over. But she had no interest in being involved with the doc. And so I thought, as I watched it, when am I going to start to hate her? Because you know, I'm already kind of looking for reasons. And in this case, Cody Womp, new on the job as a district attorney, did the right thing. And as always, you'll rarely hear me applaud a Womp. And I appreciate everybody for being here, listening to the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga, the midweek download destination for thousands. If you're new around here, happy to have you on board. Thank you, Lee Brock for being the presenting sponsor here in the new year. Happy New Year. I don't care what Larry David says or what my disastrous life might make me think tomorrow when I say, screw this new year. This new year sucks because of whatever happens next. For all your real estate needs, buying and selling, get a hold of Lee, 653-2491. That's his direct line or Lee at lindabrockhomes.com. I'll talk to you again on the final day of the first month of 2024, the 31st, next Wednesday. Y'all have a great rest of your week and into the weekend, and I'll talk to you then. See you later. Bye.